This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. How you doing on this hump day Wednesday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show. Thanks for making us a part of your day, as we'll be with you until 3 in the afternoon Eastern time. And a lot to get to today. Yes, the players are back on the practice field, and it is a healthier bunch out of the bye. We'll explain here shortly. Brandon Bean also addressed the media earlier today, chiefly concerning the Von Miller situation. We'll have comment from him on that. And also, head coach Sean McDermott addressed that very subject. So we'll have comment from him as well here shortly. But first, let's get to the roster situations first. As you know, uh, both Taylor Rapp and Dane Jackson missed the Week 12 game against the Eagles. Dane Jackson in concussion protocol, Taylor Rapp with a neck injury. The good news on those two, and we should tell you that Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Dane Jackson has cleared concussion protocol. He is full go. Taylor Rapp has returned to practice fully as well. Both of them back out on the practice field today. More good news concerning a pair of players that have been on injured reserve. Dawson Knox, who underwent wrist surgery about six, seven weeks ago, and Kyrie Elam, who went on IR a month ago with an ankle injury. The practice windows for both players have been opened, uh, and they have begun to practice today. So there is tw- there are 21 days that the Bills now have at their disposal to have these guys ramp back up to be ready for games again. Before anybody could ask Coach McDermott, do either of these two players, Knox and Elam, have a chance to play on Sunday? Coach McDermott said, we're just taking it a day at a time. And that kind of makes sense, Steve, because you got to kind of see how they're looking. Do they look game ready? Are they getting better and better with each passing day this week? And then right. if yes, well, then you can make a hard and fast decision as to whether they're going to help your football team this week against the Chiefs. Right. And, and you know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't gamesmanship and knowing that they made this move for both Knox and Elam with full intentions that they were going to play. There's no reason to say it before it becomes obvious. So, um, yeah, Elam and Knox, Knox back from the wrist surgery that he had or the, whatever it was, and and uh, Elam with the ankle, I mean, it's obvious. Both those guys are going to be pushed to play dur- at least this season for sure. Elam for sure, I would think. Um, and given the fact that they've been fluctuating at corner all season. Right. Elam gives them some stability. That's that's neck. He's been neck deep in the system. You know he's got some athletic ability. He can, he can make plays. Co- he can go out and cover. Uh, he I, to me, he's a stable upgrade from what you've been hoping for. Well, I mean, month. just just think of it this way: the last few weeks, they've been alternating call ups from the practice squad between Josh Norman and Jamarcus Ingram. Now you have Kyrie Elam as your alternative option, you're clearly going with Kyrie Elam. I don't see any reason why you would not. And we know that he's had trouble being active on game day, getting up on the field and on the on the active roster. And it's not like the guy just plays corner. He can serve on special teams for you as well, whether as a jammer or a gunner 
wherever you want to use great. He's a, he can do those things too. I mean, the most he's probably the most athletically right. gifted corner on the roster. Hugely athletic. Got to so, get yeah, him on the field, he's a plus. especially for a defense that has been shorthanded on the back end pretty much since week four. So, yeah, it'd be very exciting if he can be up, active, and contribute on game day Sunday and down the stretch for that matter. I've been banging the table for him uh, for a while. So hopefully that happens. Um, as for other practice updates, Von Miller is not practicing today, according to head coach Sean McDermott. He had a pre-planned re- veteran rest day today prior to all the off-the-field stuff that we know happened last week. He is expected to be back fully at practice Thursday. So that's the situation with him. And for more on that, we're going to begin with Brandon Bean, Bill's general manager, who addressed the media earlier today, just before the noon hour. And he was asked a boatload of questions, as you would understand, on the Von Miller situation and where things stand with what is an ongoing investigation. So we will begin with Brandon Bean's opening statement and where he says things sit concerning both Vaughn and the organization based on the accusations that were made last week. Obviously, we were made aware last uh, Thursday about the situation regarding Vaughn. Um, about probably the same similar time that you guys heard about it, um, checked in with his his agent, and then obviously with the the NFL and you know as as you probably read or heard, there was multiple versions of you know what happened, and so um, there's not a lot that I can say. Uh, Vaughn is here; he'll be a part of the team, and you know we'll let the investigation and and we'll follow. Um, the lead of the, of the NFL uh, from that standpoint. So clearly in the very early stages here, investigation is ongoing. So really the league and the bills are essentially in a holding pattern here. Yeah. You know, they have to let due process kind of take its course. Yeah. And certainly <clears throat> this is, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable for everybody involved and in how to handle it, how much to, is Vaughn going to participate? He's taking a vet rest day that was actually – McDermott made it a point to say this was in place well before last week. And, uh, yeah, you just got to wait until it works – it plays itself out until all the information's in and you, and you, and you let the process take its course. And you got to wait – this is something that you know, Bills can't get involved with. So they just have to wait, sit back and wait. And so taking that a step further – Brandon Bean was asked, what will be the discipline handed down by the team for Von Miller? Here was his response to that. You have to let it play out, I guess, is the best way to say. We don't – I mean, if if you get into, you know, sitting guys or disciplining guys without, you know, the, the right information, that can be a little bit dangerous too. We weren't there. We, we're not investigators. We don't – you know, obviously – you know, we had our conversations with Vaughn and understood, you know, what he believes happened. And and so uh, from that standpoint, we, you know, we can't get into it. It's, it's an open investigation. And so we'll just, you know, we'll let the legal process play out and, and you know, he'll participate like normal uh, in practice. So that's kind of where he left it. That then spurned questions regarding 
Miller's quality of play since he has returned to the field. We know that he's coming back from a major ACL repair, and after watching Tredavious White go through it last year, it took him a full calendar year to get on the field, and even then he was on a pitch count initially. For Von Miller, he got on the field sooner than Tredavious did, but the impact on games was, I think, I don't think we're out of turn by saying it was minimal at best in terms of what we know he does best on a football field. So it was then asked by the media if he thinks Von Miller will play this weekend against the Chiefs, either A, because of what he has or has not done production-wise on the field, or B, because of this off-the-field stuff. Here's what Brandon had to say about that. Every week we're trying to put the best 48 players. That's, you know, doesn't matter what, you know, name it says on your jersey or number. We're trying to put the best 48 out there to win. And, yes, that will continue to be evaluated um, every week. And if we feel that, you know, Vaughn is not one of the best 48 that week or all the weeks, then that's what we'll do. But um, we're hoping it's it's um, it's around a year now that he's had had that surgery, you know. And sometimes, you know, it just it just takes time. I think you saw that with Trey last year as well. Uh, it's hard when you in this in a situation where you have an injured player that misses all the off season and all a training camp, OTA's training camp, you can't really replicate a training camp. So you're trying to work them back, yet practices are not like training camp practices. And then you're in the games and you're trying to find that number of snaps. He's played less snaps than he's ever played. That's a fine line too because you also have to be like, you know, like a basketball shooter. You got to get up enough shots to start filling your rhythm. And so um, all those things are into consideration. But, uh, yeah, every game we are truly going to try and, you know, we got to win these five. So we're going to try to put out the best 48 we can. And so that's kind of where he left it as far as Vaughn playing goes. And then the one of the final questions that Brandon Bean was asked was, you know, he we heard him discuss how they got Vaughn's side of the story, his version of the events that – led to the accusations that are down there in Texas against him right now. And so Brandon Bean was then asked if if he believes the organization has enough information on Von Miller and these accusations to make a decision on his status with the team going forward. This was his response to that question. I don't think we have a lot of information other than our conversation with Vaughn and his representatives and the league. Like, um, you know, other than, you know, the media reports and things like that. Um, so we, you know, we don't have, we've not been able to have conversations with people who were on the scene investigating um, the call and things like that. So, um, you know, it's it's very early in the process, and those people in Dallas aren't just going to get on the, they're not worried about the Buffalo Bills. They're going to do what they do on the timeline that they do it. And again, we'll, we'll take the lead of the NFL um, for how, you know, how we move forward. And that's kind of how most teams handle that. They, they let the NFL take the, the NFL office, take the lead and then follow suit. That's kind of how it works. That's the way it always, the, the league takes the point for the clubs in these regards and uses its 
assets to find out as much as they can find out. Um, <clears throat> but as we know, it's, it's never fast enough uh, for all of us. You know, we want to know right now what the deal is, and, and we, we never get privy to, we're never privy to that until right. the general public is. So until the final decision is handed decisions down, yeah. hand, then, they, then we reverse question it and see you know, how to get to this point, and that's it. Um, so that's where, we're, that's where it stands. Uh, still a little bit up in the air for this weekend, no question about it. Um, yeah, it's, it, it caught a lot of people off guard, no question. Head coach Sean McDermott then addressed the media about an hour before we came on the air and, you know, was pretty, it was pretty evident as to how serious the situation is in his eyes in terms of the accusations that have been made against Von Miller. So we have a portion of Coach McDermott's address and Q&A with the media here. And we're going to turn to that now so you can get a sense as to where Coach McDermott sits with this whole situation. What's your thoughts on the – Brandon spoke to it. Can you give us your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I know Brandon addressed it, um, and that's where we're at. Um, so um, I don't see a need to address it after it's already been addressed. Sean, how do you handle it in the locker room, given uh, the nature of the charges and that this is the, the third time he's been accused of – something in this realm yeah i respect where you're coming from tim again it's it's been addressed um brandon spoke on it i'm focused on this practice right now sean i asked brandon um regardless of the off the field incident the way he has played this year he has not provided much help for defense should it be a consideration to maybe go with somebody else with these five games that you have to win well, I think like anything else, you, you're trying you try and evaluate every week, uh, every day at practice, um, and we'll do that today and as well as tomorrow. Um, you know, some of what we're doing is to to continue to try and get him where he was a year ago, um, and that's why I mentioned what I mentioned. Um, that process took place uh, last week as a staff. We sat down and said, hey, what what else can we do to continue to try and, and move this thing? Um, and so that's that's uh, that's the plan uh, that was put together by our medical staff. Uh, Chiefs, and you talk about their offense, which you know, has not been the same level that we're used to seeing. Um, what are you seeing that might be beneficial to you this weekend? No, well, Let's. I mean, uh, the world that that you guys live in. I mean, this this is a dynamic offense. Andy Reid. Whenever you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, um, and and Kelsey, uh, and then you add um, ten back there, and in the in the in the running back core that they have, um, it's it's a dynamic offense. So we, we have to prepare that way. Sean, with the uh, silence in here in between <coughs> questions, I think that is pretty reflective of not really being sure what to ask and maybe being a little stunned uh, that you don't have anything more to say uh, about one of your highest paid players facing these allegations and how you're handling this as somebody who has his hand on the culture here and monitors it so closely. I'm sure you have something in addition to what Brandon Bean would say regarding how you personally are handling this in your locker room. Yeah, listen, Brandon and I have already spoken. Tim, again, I respect your question. 
Um, we've spoke. He's addressed it with you guys. I think that's more than fair, and, and that's where we're at. I am focused on going to practice in 15 minutes and coaching the football team, um, and that's where we're at. How have you handled it over the last nine days? Uh, I've been involved. I've been involved. Um, I think you're aware of, of my involvement with things like this. So um, my focus right now is is going out there to practice and, and improving our football team. With respect um, to you, every time that you talk, most times I should say every time, you talk about a player, their fit in the culture, you mention their ability to be a family man. And the allegations here against Bond are, you know, hard to read or hard to see. What do you say to the fan base who supports him and you and the team around this situation? Yeah, listen, I, I will say this, it's, it's a very serious situation. There is, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is very serious um, and something that we take very seriously, I take very seriously. Um, Beyond that, again, we've discussed that internally um, since it ha since the time it happened or the reports that came out. Um, and so, um, beyond that, I'm not I'm not um, going to address it right now. Brandon addressed it. We obviously met on it. Uh, we've had great communication about it and collaboration. And it is a very very serious situation and um, something we don't take lightly at all. I guess just looking forward, just at this point of the season with five games left and coming, have, have you put, have you been able to put aside just the frustrations of how that last game ended two weeks ago, and how do you now focus on what you have left to do with these five games, knowing that you need some help but still have a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, John, that's really where where we are. That's really where my focus is and our focus needs to be is on today and us controlling the things that we can control and getting better as a football team and and uh, that's that's our intent today is there you can't drop how much can you draw parallels from when you were seven and six or are those just two different things well I think anything's uh, experience right so you can learn from experience that said every season's different and every team is different and takes on its own identity if you will, and uh, and that's uh, what I'm looking for from our team moving forward. Here is the identity of this team. And finally, what, is there a level of encouragement to see, perhaps at least on offense, that this team has potentially turned the corner in in, in, in performing to expectations um, as you've done, and there's still some things to clean up on defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think overall, I mean, you look at you know you look at the big picture over the last two weeks, there's there's been good football being played. I mean, um, offensively, as you mentioned, the, 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 the meter, the scale has moved uh, in a good direction. Um, does that mean we're where we need to be? No, not whatsoever. Same thing, special teams and defensively. Um, so, you know, defensively, I thought we did a good job taking the ball away in the last two games and setting up the offense, which is a big part of playing team ball. So, and in that first half, um, was really, really high level. Second half wasn't good enough. And, and so those are the things we're working on improving. Um, and you're always trying to, trying to improve your football team.
conversations with Joe Brady over the bye? How much do you anticipate this offense changing now that he's had more time to put his fingerprints on it? Uh, I think just week to week. You know, it'll evolve. It'll take on his, as you mentioned, his fingerprint, um, as well as the overall staff and, and the offense, and including Josh. So um, I like what I'm seeing, and, and uh, we, we'll continue to take it, you know, one day at a time here. Sean, I know the bye week is often self-scout tendencies, things like that. Each week, how does that change with an OC who's only been in there for two weeks? Because obviously, what you did and you guys did on offense is going to be different than what your tendencies might be with him. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you know, I, I don't, I think it's you know easier to manage than one would think, just in terms of. Um, you have two weeks, you know, defensive coordinators have two weeks of, of Joe out there in terms of what he's put out there in terms of his tendencies. Um, and so sometimes that can be an advantage. Sometimes it can be a disadvantage. It's just a matter of how you look at it. Sean, you've mentioned in the past how everything is still out in front of you, the goals you make in the postseason. Is there a message at all inside the locker room that it, it's almost a playoff game every week now? Well, that's where our focus is, right? Um, Every week, when you when you start your season, it's it's every week's the same importance in terms of the size of the game. No different this week in terms of um, we're going against a heck of an opponent at their place, Super Bowl uh, champs, and um, you know it's it's a it's going to be a great challenge. We're going to have to play for a whole game. We're going to have to play really well and sustain our level of play um, for four quarters or however long uh, it goes. Is the sense of urgency? even higher now? Um, my hope w was that it was high in week one, really. Um, moving forward, um, you know, it, it definitely has to be where it needs to be in order for us to go in and get a win in Kansas City. What about this Chiefs defense has improved? It seems like they've taken a big jump, even though it's largely the same personnel they had the season before. Yeah, I mean, Coach Spaggs does a really good job. Uh, I worked with him for a number of years. Um, Kind of came up under under him in terms of uh, the defensive backs there for for some time in Philadelphia, and he's a great coach. Uh, he's got a great staff with him, and and um, and they've got great players, you know, that make big time plays. Um, uh, starting with Chris Jones, so he's a, he's a big time difference maker. Sean, are there any considerations to you know the reports and allegations for for off the field things that go into your? game day decisions as to whether Von Miller is active or is that a completely a football decision? Well, I'd start, I'd start by saying those are separate to be to start. Um, and I think that's important that they stay there. Um, um, but every situation is a little bit different. So that's head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media today about Von Miller, among other subjects, and you know made it clear that the decision on whether to make Von Miller active or inactive on Sunday he will keep the two things separate, namely the off-the-field allegations and his quality of play in the practice week this week. As we mentioned earlier, not practicing today, had a designated veteran rest day that was set up and scheduled prior to the off-the-field allegations that happened last week. He is expected to practice fully tomorrow. And we also heard Brandon Bean earlier basically say they don't have a lot of information other than Von Miller's versions of the events for which he is accused. So, like we said earlier, the Bills are truly in a wait-and-see mode, you know, innocent until proven guilty kind of thing. And so that's kind of where they sit with this. And until more is made clear in this case, 
That's kind of the <clears throat> approach they're going to take. Yeah, and you can imagine, you know, how private they want to, you know, Vaughn and his family want to keep this. Yeah. And you're, not, you're probably not going to get much out of them. And because, like most of us, it's a personal matter. Uh, that has spilled over into the into right. the law into law enforcement, and that's that's never a good thing. So you kind of sit back and you got to wait until somebody says something that you can get a handle on and come to grips with in your own mind, and that's that's where we're all at today. Right. So that's kind of where things sit there, and until there are further developments, either a in the investigation or b at the league level, it's status quo. Uh, that's pretty much how this week is going to play out unless something changes with respect to the investigation or with something that comes to light at the league level where they can then enact a decision on Von Miller's status going forward. couple of notes to bring you from around the NFL presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Zach Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets this week in their game against the Houston Texans. So... That decision was made and confirmed by head coach Robert Sala down in New York. The team is reeling. I think they've lost five in a row, I want to say, right now. Four and eight on the season. Dolphins linebacker Jerome Baker has a knee injury. And he is considered week to week, but he is not going to be put on IR. So that is an interesting development down in Miami as they deal with some injuries on the defensive side of the football. They've already lost Jalen Phillips for the season with a ruptured Achilles. And then uh, we saw that the Minnesota Vikings, who were up in the air on who to start a quarterback after a four-interception performance by Josh Dobbs, uh, the head coach there has decided, Kevin O'Connell has decided that it will be Josh Dobbs back in the starting lineup this week. So for now, sticking with Josh Dobbs instead of going back to Jaron Hall, who had been out yeah. due to injury. I think Dobbs gives them some athleticism. And, and after you have a game like that, and you can, and I think anybody can relate to this. After you have a bad outing in anything, you think, okay, now I got to cut that. I got to cut the bottom off of those roller coasters, right? I got to make it a little bit more stable, just throw it away. Even if we punt, it's better than turning it over. Um, you get these quarter, like, you know, we saw Josh Allen do it in week one. We've seen Josh Allen do it throughout his career. And one of the turning points of his career was after a three interception game in New England five years ago, uh, where he went to Sean and Brandon and said, I promise you, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And he's off on the and running and, and in the MVP race every year in the conversation at some point every year. So, um, I'm, I kind of get it where Minnesota's coming from. The guy stunk last week. Not not the only one, and it's there's some, two of his four interceptions right. came off tip passes, <clears throat> right? That went off and, the hands of his own receivers. And it seems to be he's running a little bit for his life. And teams are starting to get a handle on what the Vikings are doing with him. So it's getting tougher, but. I think it's the right thing. He gives you the best chance, particularly yeah. after a bad outing where he's going to say, okay, I'm going to calm down a little bit. Then you got to, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. It's a big decision for them. There's no yeah. question about it because they are in the They're thick. They're teetering. They're six and six. And in the NFC, you're in the thick of the playoff race with that record. Absolutely. Like you're in it. So, yeah. They, they got a big decision to make there. And, that's they're, the decision that they made. They're going with Dobbs. They're the sixth seed. They're in right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Six. So, you know, in the other conference, the Bills are 10th or 11th. 
But you got the Packers breathing down your neck. So, yeah. Which who's a division rival. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. We've got to take a break here. But when we come back, we're opening up the phone lines to take your phone calls at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550 as we begin preparations for this big Week 14 matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs. Tom in the West Side is going to lead us off, but open lines for you at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550 here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Gabe's Collision has been family-owned and operated since 1964, featuring three convenient full-service collision centers with on-site rental cars throughout western New York. Each facility carries various manufacturer certifications, state-of-the-art technology, and the most highly trained professionals statewide. Seamless, efficient, pristine craftsmanship. Get back in the game with Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. We mentioned who is participating in practice for the Bills today. Who is not participating in Chiefs practice might be even more notable. Starting running back Isaiah Pacheco not practicing today due to a shoulder injury. Starting free safety Brian Cook carted off with an ankle injury in last week's game against the Packers not practicing today. Starting left tackle Donovan Smith left last week's game with a neck injury not practicing today. And starting middle linebacker Drew Tranquil injured on the first series of the game after taking a knee to the head is in concussion protocol and not practicing today so certainly some injuries to keep an eye on going forward as well as that of linebacker Nick Bolton who has been on injured reserve but they opened up his 21-day practice window last week still may not be ready to return to the lineup coming off of wrist surgery similar to that of Dawson Knox we'll have to wait and see so Something to keep an eye on, certainly, through the course of this week. We want to get to the phone calls, though, at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We do have open lines for you, or you can hit us up, as always, on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live on Twitter. But to the phones we go, and as promised to Tom on the west side to lead us off today. What do you got for us, Tom? Good afternoon, gents. Good the afternoon. injury bug catches up the air this time of year. It happens to most teams. That you're very fortunate if it doesn't happen to you, which happened to us a couple of years ago, but it didn't really benefit us. But anyway, with that said, Zach Ertz is out there on the open line, and he apparently he's interested in Buffalo. Would you bring him in and sit Quentin Morris, or would you bring him in and maybe play could you put four tight ends on the field at the same time, and what would you call it? A zero four? It would be yeah fourteen personnel if it's or, one back, yeah. or it could be. Well, you got to have one wide receiver, right? Well, you don't it, have it could to. be a running back. Yeah, you don't have to. So you could. Okay, so it could be fourteen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, if if there was a class in college that they didn't offer while you were in college. What class would that be? What was his question? If you if there was a class that they didn't offer in college that you could take now? Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah, create a class that you want to take now in college that didn't exist when you were in college. That's that's a pretty interesting question. I was totally unprepared for <clears> it, so I don't know I that I'm ready with I an answer. I won't go back to college for anything. Yeah, I, I'm done with school. When I did four years, got my bachelor's degree, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to work. Yeah, that's the same with me. I don't know. What What about you, Tom? No, we, we let oh, Tom we'll go. We let Tom we, go. I think he's after that question. Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't. Here's the thing. In my mind, the Bills have two pretty darn good tight ends at the top of the death chart, and Quentin Morris, you'd be hard-pressed to do better as a number three tight end on your roster than Quentin Morris for this reason. He can play a multitude of roles on special teams. In a pinch, he can line up in your backfield. He's not quite as versatile as Reggie Gilliam, but he's not far off. And so with that in mind, I think the only reason you would remotely consider Zach Ertz is if Dawson Knox is going to miss the rest of the season. And I don't foresee that happening because he's already back practicing today. So I think if the Dawson Knox recovery from wrist surgery was taking longer than anticipated, maybe you consider it. But because you're probably going to have Dawson Knox back sooner rather than later, and you have a healthy Dalton Kincaid, knock on wood, and you have Quentin Morris in the fold, I I don't know that you need him because I don't think he's a difference maker for you based on the talent you already have. Right. And he's been talking the most, at least according to reports, to the Philadelphia Eagles, who do not have Dallas Goddard back and whose offense has looked decidedly different without him. That's a team, in my mind, that is more desperate to add somebody like Zach Ertz, not to mention the fact they have a prior working history because that's where he started his career. So, to me, if I had to guess, I think that's where he lands, ultimately. I don't. I think Knox is going to be back sooner rather than later, and because of that, I think that takes the Zach Ertz question off the table for Buffalo. Yeah. Um, great just guy, my personal good player, opinion. Uh, but, you know. He's available, so just, right. there's nothing that says you have to snatch him up right now. Let's see how Dawson Knox comes back to practice right. and get back on And to replace him as your third tight end in favor of Quentin Morris, to me, doesn't wash because your third tight end has to play on special teams. He has to. And I don't think Zach Ertz plays on special well, teams. Well, even if he does, he doesn't play as well as Quentin, Quentin Morris. Morris. Yeah. So to me, that's, that, that's what makes it a done deal, Lucille. Let's go to Dennis in North Carolina next. Uh, let me punch him up here. Hey, Dennis, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, uh, I have, let, let's see, uh, what, what's the update on Leonard Fournette and Puna Ford and some of the other free agents Buffalo signed that could help us win? And do, do you think at the end of the season, do you think Buffalo will get a defensive coordinator where uh, Brandon Meek, I mean, uh, Sean McDormand, can like, sit back a little bit and not have a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, it's every year everybody said, well, Buffalo's a contender for the Super Bowl. And hopefully before I die that we can win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're you're not alone in that sentiment, yeah, Dennis, that's for sure. Uh, uh, why don't I take the first part, okay. Steve, you take the second part. Okay. So I'll address Puna Ford. And Leonard Fournette, you can address defensive coordinator and where that goes maybe at the end of the season. So Puna Ford, I think, is a capable run stuffer. I'm all for him being on the game day roster. And who knows, through the course of this bye week, self-scouting, assessing performance up front, maybe they determine that Puna Ford is a guy that should be up on game day to help them in the run front where they had been giving up four and a half yards per carry. And maybe he is active this week instead of being the odd man out in that numbers game that they have at the defensive tackle position. We we probably won't know the answer to that until we get to Sunday. And then as for Leonard Fournette, we've said it on the show before, when you have a healthy Latavius Murray, James Cook, and now Ty Johnson, who has emerged, let's give the kid credit, he's played well, Leonard Fournette becomes an insurance policy. 
on the practice squad. So unless one of those three guys gets hurt and is going to miss some time or one of their one of those players' production drops off precipitously, I think Leonard Fournette remains an insurance policy going forward. Why don't you address defensive coordinator? That'll be a really interesting question after this season's over because it'll probably come down to um, how Sean McDermott felt about how he coordinated the defense and how it went and whether it was de- made him deficient in other areas, particularly on game day, obviously. Yeah, as a head coach. Uh, as a head coach. I, I would not be surprised at all to see him do that, grab a defensive coordinator, particularly if there's a one that he really respects on the market, which there may be. There's always, you know, anywhere between five and eight head coach openings in the in the league at the end of the season. So all those staffs will be on the street, and there'll be some guys you could you might like. Uh, he may have Ron Rivera come do his uh, def- coordinate his defense after if he gets fired from the Commanders. He may have Jack Del Rio come in and work his defense. He may have, you know, there's a number of named guys who would be available who he has worked with before at some level that he could call. It will come down to his self-evaluation of how this season went with him as coordinator and head coach and whether he felt like it was if they can get better with a defensive coordinator rather than having him do it. But I think it's a really interesting question, and it'll tell us a lot about how this season's playing out. Certainly, it's hard to coordinate a defense when you lose the middle of your defense at different times. You're with Milano, Daquan Jones, and then Trey White on the outside, and at different times, uh, Hyde and Poyer and all that, um, and Taylor Rapp. And we just could keep going, I guess. So, yeah, it's been a difficult year to coordinate the Bills' defense because of the injuries. I wouldn't rule out an outside candidate, as Steve has mentioned, right. but I think they might have one on their staff already, and Al Holcomb, who was brought on staff just this past offseason. He's been a defensive coordinator before, one year with the Arizona Cardinals, um, and then he was an interim defensive coordinator with the Panthers in 2022 before joining the Bills staff in 2023. I think he would be a candidate. I think Eric Washington, the defensive line coach and assistant head coach, would be a candidate. He's been a defensive coordinator before. So I I think there are internal candidates that would make the transition smoother if Coach McDermott deems it to be necessary. And I I think Coach McDermott is a selfless enough person where he wouldn't – if he believes it's what's best for the team and best for him to be the best head coach he can be for the team – I think he would make that move in the offseason and wouldn't even hesitate. But I think that's going to require some evaluation at the end of the season, and he'd go through with a fine-tooth comb before making that call. But I guess the point I'm making is there are internal candidates that can be considered for that job as well, in addition to external. Let's go to Peter in Lockport next. What do you got for us, Peter? Hi, guys. How are you? Good. All right. Uh, Just had a couple of quick things. Uh, Regarding uh, Von Miller, um, I think everybody needs to, you know, take a deep breath and, and, and back off a little bit, let the process work itself out. Um, everybody's got opinions about this thing, and, of course, if, if they are true, would be very serious. But if they're not, you know, I mean, look what happened to Matt Ariza. Um, I mean, case in point, those turned out to be false accusations, so – we need to let the process work out, and everybody needs to just take a step back um, on that on that issue. The other thing is, as far as making the playoffs, 
I mean, at this point, the only thing we can do is is let the you know one game at a time. You know, if we if we we pretty much have to win out, I think, uh, to make the playoffs. So we just have to look at one game at a time. We can't be looking ahead past that point. Yeah, and I think the healthy thing there, Peter, is that's kind of the approach that most NFL clubs take every week anyway. Don't focus on the game you got two weeks from now. Focus on this week because next week's not going to matter if you don't take care of this week, especially now with the boat that the Bills find themselves in at 6-6. Six and six. So that's kind of the approach they have to take. And you brought up Matt Ariza, and I understand why. And while some people out there might say, well, the Bills made a quick decision on Matt Ariza, what's the difference with Von Miller? I think the difference is this. Matt Ariza was already facing charges and uh, a criminal trial in addition to civil charges and an upcoming civil trial. And if you remember what Brandon Bean said at the time, he said, we're going to release Matt Ariza so he can take care of the priorities, which were active cases against him. And so I think they saw that as, look, He's got a lot more on his plate besides his professional football career. Let's let him go handle that first, and then he can kind of handle his professional life after that. That was kind of the approach that the Bills took in that situation. Right now, all we have is an investigation with Von Miller. It's a little different. Charges are just as serious, or accusations, allegations, I should say, are just as serious. But you're much earlier in the process now than you were with the situation with Ariza. Right. And it's and you're right. Um, If that taught us anything, as serious as it was when it hit with Horiza, it still turned out to be nothing uh, as far as he was concerned. Right. Uh, So this is not that. But that should teach us a lesson about this. Yeah. (laughs) But every case is different. Every case is different. Break time for us here. More of your phone calls when we return here on a back-to-practice Wednesday for the Bills on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Oh, snap. Snapdragon Apples are now available. Fuel your game day adventures with Snapdragon Apples, now available at Wegmans and other local retailers. Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. 803-0550, the number to get on board as we have a back-to-practice Wednesday for the Bills as they begin their preparations with game plan installation for the Kansas City Chiefs here in Week 14. And... uh Encouraged to know that the team is significantly healthier coming into this week's game. Dane Jackson has cleared concussion protocol. He is back practicing. And Taylor Rapp is fully recovered from his neck injury, and he is 100% good to go in practice as well. And then from injured reserve, you've got both Dawson Knox and Kyrie Elam beginning their 21-day practice windows today. And Coach McDermott wouldn't say anything regarding game status for Knox and Elam, in other words, coming off of IR, because not only would they come off of IR, but you have to create a roster spot for them as well. So yeah, you'd have some other decisions to make there, it's gonna, too. It's a ripple effect, no question yeah. about it. And, and the question is, they're coming down the stretch. They, you've, To me, 
at this point of the season when all, you know, a lot of teams you know, have had their bye or, or a, a while back and are still riddled with injuries. And you know, we saw it, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we in the litany of guys that are going down to injury and you're getting a little healthier. You can, I think you got to get your best athletes on the field and give them a chance to play, uh, particularly now in these games. So it'll be interesting to see the roster and who gets a game jersey this Sunday for the Bills. Um, I think we may see some guys we haven't seen in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm actually trying to count them up right now because 9, 40, 41, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 50, 1, 2, 3. So they do have 53 players on their active roster right now, so there isn't an open spot to be had. They would have to make moves, and maybe that happens at linebacker, you know, where you're a little fat right now in terms of players. Maybe you find a roster spot there, Um, and maybe you have to look at another position to find another roster spot. But, yeah, if if Knox – and Elam are both ready to return to the 53-man roster, you're, you're going to have to move two people off that roster to do it. Uh, and maybe you're fortunate enough to get them through waivers if they're not a vested veteran and onto the practice squad. And maybe if it is a veteran player, you can convince them to hang around and sign to the practice squad. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's a long way off because Coach McDermott said a decision on those two players will likely be made closer to the end of the week as they kind of see how they matriculate their way through the practice week. Are they looking good? Are they getting better with each passing day? Do they look game ready? You know, can this guy give us 20 snaps in the game on Sunday? Do we need more than 20 snaps from that player? And are they capable of giving us that after the layoff that they've had? Because there is something to be said about being on injured reserve for four weeks, or in Dawson Knox's case, seven weeks, you know, You've been out of the mix for a while. It's different than practicing every day for the last seven weeks when you're off here doing conditioning work on your own on the side. They're not showing up fat and happy. No. They've been out here. We've seen them. They've been working, yeah. They've been working out and doing stuff and getting ready as much as they can with their injuries. But and which is significant. I mean, you can do a lot around, uh, particularly a wrist injury. In the case of Dawson Knox, I don't know about Kyir Elam because an ankle's different. Running is the ultimate. You know, must have if you're an NFL football player. So, but they, you know, we'll see how fast they can get acclimated. Uh, the only thing they have not been able to do is practice and play. They've been able to meet, stay in the playbook, uh, rehab, work out. They just have not been able to play football. So it's not a vast chasm, except when you talk about Dawson Knox, it, you're right. Seven weeks is a, t- it's a long time. But if he is ready, Who's going to be fresher and ready, more ready to go? Right. Yeah. Same thing with Elam. But these guys are going to be like, yeah, because oh, you don't feel. They good. feel fantastic. Yeah, they feel like a million bucks, literally. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, you want to get, like I said, get you know, get them on the field and let them let let them you know those fresh legs go, baby. Mm-hmm. It's a different world out there when you've been, had a seven week layoff and you come in and you you have no aches and pains. You're not dragging around any luggage. Yeah, you feel light on your wow. feet. Wow, it's like oh. opening day. <laughs> really? Yeah, you're ready to tear it up. Like let's get going. Uh, 
Just to kind of give you an idea on what's coming your way here in hour number two of the show here on a Wednesday edition of One Bills Live, we will have players at the post-practice podium. So uh, they'll be addressing the media after practice is over in about 10 to 15 minutes' time. We will bring you their comments here on the show in their entirety in the Q&A sessions that they have among those expected to address the media today. Obviously, quarterback Josh Allen, who does it every single week. Micah Hyde, also scheduled to address the media this afternoon, as well as left tackle Deion Dawkins, who, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, is the Buffalo Bills nominee for the league's highest honor off the field, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He is Buffalo's nominee for 2023. All three of those players set to address the media in hour number two. As soon as they do, we will bring their comments to you as they get ready for the Chiefs here in week 14. But we take a break here, back with hour number two when we return on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We'll have some post-practice podium sound from the players. As soon as we have that, we will pass it along to you, get the thoughts of Josh Allen, Micah Hyde, and others on the upcoming game against the Chiefs and coming out of the bye, what they feel they have to do that lies in front of them with very little wiggle room regarding a playoff berth in terms of winning some games and stacking wins down the stretch here put to put themselves in playoff position. Also wanted to mention to you that our latest episode of our Bills by the Numbers podcast presented by FanDuel is now available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Steve and I do it every week. It's a little bit different from our daily show, One Bills Live. We focus on statistically-based subjects, And this week's episode focuses on maybe one of the most unheralded parts of Buffalo's team and their performance this season, the offensive line. So when you get a chance, check it out on whatever podcast platform you use. Just type in Bills by the Numbers in your search bar, and it should pop up immediately. So check it out. It was a goodie this week. Um, We also have fun quizzing Steve in the numbers game every week with some Bills Chiefs trivia this week. That was the subject. And I'll just say he fared relatively well nah, this week. I didn't knock it out of the park. I was kind of disappointed, but he gave me some fluff balls. I had like, you know, is it Bills or Chiefs that are, you know. I gave you a 50-50 yeah, shot in most of them. chances, and I was like, I was right about half the time. Yeah. Which. You've done worse and you've done better. any. In the past. Dumb animal could have done. <laughs> Leave it to Steve to reduce himself to, uh, you know, yes. the, your, the choices made by... Your neighborhood stray, by a, stray dog. <laughs> or, 
<laughs> you remember when they used to, remember back in like the old game show days, they used to roll out a primate to go up against somebody? It's just like, what? Really? No, I never Are we that. seriously having, a, or they'd have a chicken pecking buttons? Oh my gosh. You know, or, or a monkey pulling levers? I did not see that. Oh yeah, they used to, yeah. It's like, is Bob smarter than a chicken? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's you know? find out. And then they have the guy guessing the answer answers. is no. This he guy, is not. They have a chicken pecking buttons on a light board. Like, <laughs> that is unbelievable. great. Um, we're sorry, Bob. No parting gifts because you are not smarter than a chicken. Don't ever come back to our show again. So we don't hmm. subject Steve to the same uh, pun- punitive uh, questioning. But it is entertaining nonetheless. So if you get a chance, check it out. Bills by the Numbers podcast presented by FanDuel. Um, on any podcast platform you might use. Our phone lines are open at 803-0550, if you want to give us your thoughts on the upcoming Bills Chiefs showdown at Arrowhead once again. Good Lord. I was joking with Steve before we came on the show today that the Bills could quite literally set up a residency contract like all yeah. these performers do in Vegas like Billy Joel at Arrowhead. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's like Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. It's the like Bills Celine at Arrowhead. Dion in Vegas. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's Wayne Newton in Vegas. It's the same thing. Doesn't really live there, but that's where he works all the time. Yeah. Actually, I do think he 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 lives there. there, Probably now. It's been decades he's been doing it, right? He's been doing it since he's like in his late 20s. I I remember hearing stuff about that. Sammy Davis said, yeah, I I did three weeks at Vegas, and they, you know, paid the guy. Handsomely. Big big money, and he left owing him 25 grand. (laughs) Look, man, I like the slots. What do you want from me? I love it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Or maybe he spent it all on jewelry. That guy had more chains hanging off his neck. Nah, in the open, the same thing, open yeah. button shirt. Awesome. You have his shirt unbuttoned down to like if you were his living, If you were in residency there, wouldn't you like get like the big presidential suite and just not have a house? Just say, hey, listen, I'm going to yeah. do it. You're going to pay me this much and I'm oh, going to get the suite. Yeah, you're free. comping me my room. Yeah, I get a – and not just – it's not a hospital room either. This baby no, is like – you know, jacuzzi. It's at least sweet levels. Yeah. yeah, all that. Yeah. At least sweet level. Then you Maybe. got house cleaning, all that stuff every day, too. So that'd be nice. Yeah, people That's make what it. I'm thinking. People you get the James it. Bond suite in Diamonds Are Forever, right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking Apparently about. Apparently, Steve already has a plan. Right. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> he's naming hotels, specific rooms, and I don't know suites. The hotel, My I don't goodness. Know the hotel or the room. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Some Look at that. Rooms, you know, that I've seen some of this stuff. They got rooms out there with basketball courts in them. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Because you're for out me, hooping all the for time. Me, for me going out I think and, I would, and why playing I, two sets of hit music a yeah. night. Yeah. And then hit the golf simulator and then, you know, in your room. Hit the, go out and swing a few and have a few pops. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Got, it would have to be a smoking room for Steve. Shadow, or at least a veranda. Shadow Creek during the day, on stage on, at night, and the simulator. Uh, yeah. And then the veranda on which to and the veranda. puff a couple. That's right. My own cigar lounge. <laughs> Let's go. I know you too well. Uh, But let's go to the phones at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. That's the number to get on board. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet today at One Bills Live, which is always open to you as well if you don't have time to give us a jingle. But we go to Jeff in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Jeff? You're on One Bills Live. Hi, guys. Uh, I have a question about rules, and also I have another question. But uh, the question about rules is, the time clock, the game game time clock, uh, continues to run when somebody steps out of bounds earlier in the game, and then it kind of then when you step out of bounds later in the game, uh, you the, you know the clock stops. 
I'm wondering at what point the change takes place. Where, um, you know, it, is there a specific time? Yes. That, that, you know, that that's I, I imagine yes. there is. Yeah. In, uh, during the regular during the regular game, when a guy goes out of bounds, the clock stops until the ball is spotted again. Then in the last two minutes, or maybe it's the last four minutes. So it's the last two minutes of the first half. Last two minutes of the first half, last four minutes of the fourth quarter, it stops until the ball is snapped. In, in the second half, it's inside the last five minutes of the second half. Oh, inside the last five minutes second of the fourth half. quarter. First yeah. half, it's two-minute warning. Right. And then, yeah. Or and, after a change of possession. That's right. So, oh, okay. yeah, they did that to, in, to speed up the game a little bit, to get it in a three-hour window. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, great. Uh, I, I was uh, wondering about that. Uh, also, uh, Ty Johnson. I mean, he just had a, he just had a big game a couple of games ago, and then he just didn't come out on the field much uh, last week. Wondering why stuff like that happens. It happened a couple of years ago with Antonio Williams, where he had a big game against Miami, and then that never showed up again after that too. I'm wondering why that. Why that happens? That's it, and uh, I'm done. All right, thanks, <laughs> yeah. Jeff. Yeah, uh, the reason. Well, it sometimes it's flow of the game. Yeah, that can happen. One thing too is the reasons why he got the opportunity in the first place are changed. For instance, somebody gets hurt, or somebody's not feeling it, or they have a matchup in the against a defense that they want to insert him into yeah, and exploit. And then the next week they're playing a different team that he's got no business in that matchup. Right, so. That kind of stuff changes. Plus, if James Cook or Latavius Murray are injured or whatever, and in certain situations they don't want to go in or they don't want to put them in, you know, the next week they do. So that's it's the circumstances around the guy's performance, not his performance that keeps him off the field, obviously. And it's it's the coaching staff's knowledge about the probabilities of him being able to repeat that performance against a different opponent in a different game with a different offensive game plan and it may have seemed different but it wasn't all that different he got 16 snaps in the game against the Jets and he got 11 in the game against the Eagles so it wasn't too terribly different there was one specific play that was drawn up for him on a fourth and one against the Jets that results in a catch and run for a touchdown so you notice him um I I would venture to say he was probably not the first option in too many plays that he was on the field against the Eagles, so you don't notice him quite as much. But the snap count wasn't all that different. It was a difference of five plays, 16 in the Jets, 11 against the Eagles. Yeah, so there you go. So it sometimes you just if, notice a guy more because maybe he's a yeah. bigger part of the game plan, and, and I think it was clear that he was against the Jets. Once you... The, the the telling thing about it is when you start digging into exactly how many snap count like Brownie does, it, well, you get into exactly how many snap counts, what they did on every snap, it becomes pretty evident um, as well why things are done and why they aren't. You know, the yeah. success on certain snaps, success out of personnel groups, success out of formations, all of that stuff. When you break, start breaking it down into those kind of blocks, things start to become clear as to why teams do what they do. Right, and – and for a guy at a skill position like Ty Johnson, at the end of the day, it comes down to game plan specific and opponent specific. They might have liked some matchups for Ty Johnson against the Jets a whole lot better than maybe they did against the Eagles. And so they say, oh, you know what? Let's have a package of plays here for Ty Johnson against the Jets and see how it works. And it worked 
probably even better than they anticipated on that fourth and one play in particular. And then maybe they don't like the matchup with Ty Johnson specifically as much against the Eagles, and so they go in a different direction in terms of running back usage. Maybe they clearly felt Cook was a better option against linebackers matched up in the passing game. They had a touchdown ready to roll. He just didn't come up with the football and make the catch on that opening drive. Um, and so it, and it could change again this week against the Chiefs. Maybe they feel a bigger, more physical player with power is a better answer than maybe James Cook in certain down and distances, and we see him more. It, that's how fine they cut it, and it can change how much you see a player in a given game in a given week, from one week to the very next, sometimes from one series to the next, because you've got to make adjustments right. within the game as well. Back to the phones and to Rob out in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Rob? Yes. Go ahead, Rob. Yes. Uh, just wondering uh, why we're not pay- playing uh, Leonard Fournette. I don't understand that. We're trying to get to the playoffs. And why aren't we using all hands on deck at this point? I'm well, struggling with that. Yeah, Rob, the thing is, you only got 48 guys you can dress on game day. So if you're going to sit down Latavius Murray or Ty Johnson or James Cook, um, you can. Somebody And plus, if you're going to bench James Cook and bench Latavius Murray so that you can play Leonard Fournette, um, you must have a pretty high opinion of a guy we've never seen play in a Bills uniform. Um, They like the guys they've got on the field now. And certainly they wanted to make sure that if somebody went down at a critical moment, they had a, a really good player to put in. I would agree with you. His pedigree is impeccable. The guy is a is a big, powerful, fast back. But if, you, if you're going to put him in, somebody's going to sit down, and that's where you start to has, have questions. And, and plus, and, if you're going to put him in, who's not playing well enough to stay in? And clearly they feel that the three they have on the active roster are better options for them, more versatile options, whatever description they choose to use, they clearly believe those three are better for them right now in terms of winning football games than Fournette. Could that change? Sure. Could change this week. Who knows? But I'll also submit to you this. In the last three weeks, the Bills are averaging 165 yards on the ground per game. I recognize part of that total is Josh Allen. Um, But pretty much up until the Eagles game, it wasn't all that much. And they're averaging 165 rushing yards a game in the last three games. The Bills are. That's second best in the league from weeks 10 through 12. Second best in the league to only Pittsburgh. So... I don't think they see a reason to change right now, even if it is Leonard Fournette on the practice squad. So unless their run game production goes in the toilet and they feel they need a change, I'm not anticipating him getting called up and elevated, at least not right now. Right. I could be wrong. Maybe they feel differently. Maybe something that they looked at through the course of their bye week when they had a chance to self-scout maybe has prompted them into a decision to say, you know what, let's make a change this week and see if it's better. But like I said, the last three games, second in the league in rushing. I can't imagine they're going to change that going forward. they got a lot of other things that they probably feel they need to fix before that. Right. So that's just kind of where it's at right now. Those are the facts of the matter. And so I think, for lack of a better term, Leonard Fournette is an insurance policy in case, to Steve's point, somebody does get injured and is going to miss some time. So that's kind of where they're at. They, they had good depth at the running back position, before Damian Harris got hurt. Because back then, it was Harris, Murray, 
and Cook on the active roster, and you had Ty Johnson on the practice squad. And then Damian Harris gets hurt, Ty Johnson gets called up, and then Leonard Fournette is brought in to be the practice squad insurance. And that really hasn't changed, I think, due in large part to the production on the field that we've seen from the run game, particularly yeah. the last three weeks. Yeah, and and I'll say this too, not, not for nothing, because I, I think – Push comes to shove. I think Leonard Fournette could probably today step on the practice field and be ready to go on Sunday. I don't. I don't think that's the issue now because he's been here. But when yeah. he came here, he said it's going to be a few weeks before I'm ready to, particularly in the passing concepts and all of that. It's yeah, it was take a brand me, new scheme for him that he gonna, had not been exposed yeah. to at any point in his playing career. Yeah, he admit self admittedly says it's going to take a minute. So, but it, I think he's ready now. It's I been would, a month. He said it was yes. going to take him two to four weeks to get a handle on everything. Right. And I think he's in, there now. I think in. It would take less than a pinch for him to be ready to go on on a yeah. game day like this game day. He, I think, you're right. I think he is ready. Um, yeah, Rob and, in Hamburg. I think there's yeah. no question he could go now. And like we said, coming off the bye and all this self scouting, maybe something does change, and maybe he does get an opportunity. We'll have to wait and see. Like, maybe he does get a chance, particularly against a team like the Chiefs, who are really good in the run front. Yeah. You know, guy that can get yards on his own with his own power and whatever. But let's not forget this either. You have three backs on your active roster who are used to running behind this line and how blocks unfold and reading the guys in front of them. Fournette has very limited experience behind those guys. Just because Leonard Fournette may be, in your mind, a more talented player than the three guys that they have on the roster at the position at running back doesn't mean it's the run game's going to work better with him necessarily. Because he he has less time on the job with these guys right. as blockers in front of him. Now, it could all fit like a very nice puzzle together. We don't know. But who knows? Maybe something changes this week. But that's to be determined by the coaching staff, and we'll see if they decide to make that change. But like I said, with the second most productive running game in the league the last three weeks, I don't know if they're going to fix something that they don't believe is broken. So... We'll see. We'll have to see what comes of it. Uh, we have pra- we have word that practice has concluded. Players are at the post-practice podium addressing the media, and Josh Allen is up first. So I think we're going to go to the post-practice podium now to see what Josh has to say about this upcoming game against the Chiefs. Good success at times in Kansas City. How confident are you going in there this week against that defense? Well, they're playing at a very high level. Um, you know, it's a defensive coordinator that that knows me pretty well. Um, you know, they've been switching it up just a little bit this year and doing some some different things. But I think they're playing at a an extremely high level. They're one of the better defensive groups in the league. Anytime you have a a quarterback on the other side of the ball like that, too, um, makes it all that much harder to to beat a team like this. But you know, putting our heads down, going to work, coming off a bye. Um, you know, all we're trying to do is prepare and, and try to put our best football on the field on Sunday. Relationship with Mahomes on the field. How would you describe that? Your uh, with yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, you know, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, you know, we everybody knows we golf a little bit together, and he still owes me uh, something for that Wyoming Texas Tech game. You know, so we'll we'll figure that that out soon. Um, but you know, he's he's one of, one of the best quarterbacks um, at the position. Um, really to ever play the game, you know, already at such a, a young age for him, and he's already accomplished so much in his career, and um, 
can't help but respect a guy like that, and um, you know, he's an even better person off the field. I know you're not you know, facing him, obviously. You're on the sideline and probably worrying about their defense when he's out doing his thing, but is there something inside of you, Josh, that you know, intrinsically you kind of get motivated when you know that he's the guy on the other side leading their offense for games like this? Is, is there something inside of you that just sparks, sparks something in you? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's just because we're, we're playing him or them um, you know, you should have that feeling every time you step on the field that, you know, you, you're going out to prove um, yourself every time you step on that field and every time you're in between those white lines that you've got something to prove. So that's that's no different this week. Yeah, use it as a little bit of a reset, um, letting the body heal up a little bit. Obviously, there's been some bumps and bruises along the way. Um, so physically, I think, really both physically and mentally, I think it was the best best time for, for this team and myself. Um, you know, guys are, are anxious, not anxious, but we're, we're eager to get back to work. We're, we're excited to be back here. We understand what's in front of us and, and um, what situation we're in, um, but we got a lot of guys in this locker room that are, are very excited to be back and, and um, have a very, very good feel in this locker room right now for, for what we need to do. How do you approach that? Knowing what's ahead of you and getting to that point of trying to make the playoffs in the situation. Yeah, I mean, you take it one game at a time, but you rely on the leaders on this team. You rely on Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Um, you know, you rely on, on Mitch Morris and Stefan Diggs and guys that have been in these situations before. And, um, you know, it's, it's nothing that's super new to us obviously we don't want to be in situations like this all the time but we feel like we've been in this situation before and um you know that's produced a lot of our best football so you know we still got got a lot of games left a lot of time left but you know it starts on sunday what's the confidence team right now knowing what's ahead what's at stake you know where do you feel like you guys are especially after having a little bit of time to reset? yeah i think uh obviously we've got a lot of a lot of trust in this locker room um a lot of confidence in each other and that's that's what it's going to take going forward. We're going to have to to believe it to do it, and uh, this is a, a team that I feel like believes it. So um, now we got to go out there and execute, put the product on the field, and uh, like I said, take it one game at a time because can't can't win can't win them all this week. You know, we can only win one this week, and that's going to be our focus going from here on out. Um, it's essentially playoff time for us. We understand that, so um, you know we got to play our best ball. Yeah, obviously, uh, we don't know all the details, and it being a, a legal dispute, um, you know, there's not much say that we have in it or or anything in that case. All we can do is support support our teammate um, and be there for him uh, as much as we can. Will you be excited to play in front of Taylor Swift if she shows up? Um, I that 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 crowd in Kansas City is always fun to play in front of. So. Um, you know, they, they get rowdy there. It's an extremely loud situation. Um, so excited to play in front of those fans. I think, obviously, we've uh, we've been able to have a few good games there and a few not-so-good games. But, um, you know, those fans are, are as excited and as loud as they come. What would it mean to get him back in the offense? Uh, it means a lot. I mean, uh, a, lot of, a lot of trust in him. Um, you know, the, the challenges that he presents for a defense. You know, he's been extremely, um, extremely viable, not just in the pass game, but in the run game as well. And defenses have to take in, in account for that. So if, 
you know, whether we're in 11 or 12 and whether he's, he's going a lot or a little bit, that's yet to be seen um, and, and yet to be known. So we're just going to play by ear, and uh, the more that we can get him involved in this offense, uh, the better we'll be. With all the good football you guys have played this year, is it hard for you to believe in 6-6, six six, like when you stop and think about the fact you're at this point in 6-6? Six six? What goes through your mind? Well, um, no, I wouldn't say it's hard to believe, and, you know, it's hard to win this league. That's one thing I do know, and, you know, I haven't played that long in this league, but I feel like I have a good grasp of it's hard to consistently win this league, and if you're not on your A game um, any given week, you can you can be beat or you can win. So, you know, we gotta we got to take it one game at a time and, and just continue to keep pushing, keep fighting for each other, and, um, you know, that's what we're going to do. Chiefs have a lot of the same personnel on defense, but their production's been a lot better this year. I mean, they're, they're really good defensively. What have you seen? How have you seen them improve this season? Well, I think their D-line is playing at a very high level. Um, I think um, their cornerbacks have been playing very well. You know, they, they're a physical group. They like to get up and jam and press. Um, you know, they got some long speed there, too. But anytime you got a D-line that can go disrupt a quarterback, it makes it a lot easier for the back end. So, um, you know, they're bringing pressures from, from different areas on the field. They'll bring a little bit of zero um, basically around the logo and, you know, got to have it situations. So we got to be prepared. You know, we got to be prepared for whatever they can bring. But, you know, a good, uh, good pressure package and um, make sure that we're I'm IDing things correctly and making sure if I, if I don't, finding my answers as quickly as possible. When you face a defense that, as you're saying, likes to bring pressure and do that type of stuff, you know, obviously that will lead to a chance to make it some big plays. Do you look forward to those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how you have to look at it is it is an opportunity. You know, if they're, they're bringing one um, or two, that means they're taking them from, you know, where your receivers are going to be. So that, that allows you to have some opportunities, whether it's downfield or, or some short catch-and-run situations. So, um, you know. That's that's where I got to be good at and make sure that I find my answers and, and hit our guys where they can catch and run. I don't think underdog is the right word, but when you say your backs are against the wall, does it feel like this team might thrive in that role? I know in years past maybe that has been the case, but does it feel like this might be something that brings you together? And gets you I, I I can think. I, I mean I think so. I think that um, the guys that we have in this locker room obviously we're we're here for a reason. We've been brought here for a reason. Um, you know, Bean and Sean saw something in, in each and every one of us that has, has brought us here. Um, you know, and it's, I'm not saying it's, it's like Wyoming where a lot of guys didn't have a whole lot of options to go to, um, but it's, it's a similar type of vibe here where, you know, um, you know we, don't get always, we don't always get the, the free agents in, in free agency here in Buffalo, and uh, the weather's not fantastic. We understand that. It's not all this, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, we, we can embody that. Um, type of mentality, and I think that's something we've done in the past, and you know maybe, maybe that's what we need. Big guess. All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media post practice today as the team is back on the field for the first time coming off the bye. Steve and I'll take a break here. Could be more post practice commentary from the players coming your way when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Fans 
fans can purchase a Total Sports Enterprises mystery box, which will contain two authentic team-issued practice jerseys for just $99. You're guaranteed to receive two different practice jerseys with each mystery box purchase. Visit tsebuffalo.com to see the list of players' proceeds to benefit the Buffalo Bills Foundation. Well, we just heard from Josh Allen as he addressed the media fresh off the practice field. Next up on the defensive side of the ball is Captain Micah Hyde, who is speaking with the media as we speak. Let's go there now. This final stretch of the season coming off a bye and getting to where you want to be knowing the situation. Oh, yeah, number one, having a, having a bye week to kind of get away, uh, enjoy the family, enjoy the friends, um, do whatever, go back home. But uh, the, the, the idea was to come back and be ready to go. Um, Day by day, week by week, and and uh, try to try to get this thing going. Um, so you know, I think each and every one of us came in today with a little more energy, a little more juice, and and um, you know, just carry that on throughout the the next couple of days. From a couple of years ago, when you guys were in a similar spot, seven and six, knowing you kind of had to go on a run to make it. Did yeah. You make anything from that? No, I mean you can. Every season is kind of a learning experience, uh, but at the same time, this is a total different team, total different roster. Yeah, we know we've been there before, but a lot of guys in the locker room weren't on that team, so you can only talk about it so much before you know guys kind of get get annoyed. Okay, okay, we get it. You guys have been here for seven years, and you guys have been here before, and you know all these different types of situations. But um, just a different uh, different roster than than in years past. But at the same time, um, yeah, like I said, just coming in today, having some juice and, and understanding where we're at, six and six, and and uh, it's time to go from here. Sorry, go ahead. I, just, I asked Josh just about the confidence level of this team. Where do you think you guys are at having to buy a little bit of rest, but also being 6-6, six six, you know, like what's ahead in terms of what well, I think just, you know, you're only as good as your last game. I think that going into Philly, um, you know, we we played pretty well. We played well enough to win the football game. Um, you know, obviously it was a... A huge kick at the end of the game um, to send in overtime, and you know, yeah, obviously you can play woulda, coulda, shoulda. That, that kick, you know, misses. We're we're uh, coming back from Philly on a high note going into the bye, so you know we understand that, and we, we played well enough to win the game. So, um, and that was a very good team at a very you know hostile environment. So, um, you know, you don't take uh, you don't you don't you know come home with losses and and um, and have confidence from it, but at the same time, that was a good football team, and and um, you know we're just trying to build off of that each and every week, and, and like I said, getting away, being you know having some time with the family and friends, and coming back here and having some juice. What's the sense of the, 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 the To be honest, I mean it's I heard it heard about it mid mid last week. Um, none of my business, you know, none of none of our business, I guess, you know, just kind of you know taking it day by day, and and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, it's um, kind of you know nothing that we can all talk about and just let the the legal process work itself out. You're like, do you have a meeting about it, or how does that work inside the line? No, I mean, we just um, like I said, it was mid midweek last week, and some of us are in the building, you know, whether if it was working out, getting treatment, we're doing whatever. So, you know, some of us heard about it, and um, yeah, I mean, just obviously, you know, trying to talk to him today, seeing how he's doing, and, um, but as far as, you know, what goes on off the field, um, like I said, just let the legal process work itself out. It's, you know, it's none of my business, for sure. From, from that, that Chiefs offense, you guys are quite familiar with them, uh, and their core group of guys, they've got some different guys, though, on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you, you have uh, 
some weapons outside for for 15. You know, he's gonna he's gonna make something happen. That's obviously that's what they've been doing. Still has his guy and and uh, and Kelsey um, still doing it at a high high level. One of the best in the game. So. Um, you know, just forever and always going to be a, a tough task for us, tough challenge going in there and having to play those guys, obviously with a uh, head coach and Andy Reid and a, and, a, and a play caller. So it's always tough. Um, and so, you know, you got some young guys on the outside he's getting the ball to and, and they're making plays. And obviously they're coming off a loss in, in Green Bay. But, um, I, you know, I said say they, they played pretty well going back and forth with, with Green Bay's offense when I was just watching that, you know, kind of at the, at the house and then rewatching it, you know, watching film and stuff. So, um, you know, they got weapons and uh, they got a lot of guys that can make plays. And so we're going to have to really know where all the playmakers are at, at any given time. Yeah, so that's uh, Micah Hyde addressing the media here this afternoon after practice today. The Chiefs, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Steve, but the Chiefs currently are going through a little bit of what Buffalo was dealing with for about a six-week stretch with alternating wins and losses the last few weeks. They started the season 6-1 and one and have now lost three of their last five, trading wins and losses for each of the last four weeks. So, you know, you look at that and you say, well, what is afoot here with the Chiefs? And is it anything they could immediately pull themselves out of against a team the caliber of the Bills? Sure, as long as you have Mahomes, you got a chance in just about any game, especially when Andy Reid is calling the plays. But look, I'm I'm going to be the last person to kick any dirt on the Chiefs. They're still a really, really good football team. But how they win is def is unquestionably different than the way they were winning games in years past. They're doing it with defense now and holding teams off the scoreboard because their offense just flat out isn't scoring points the way they used to, especially over the last six weeks. They're averaging 19 points a game. The Chiefs are averaging 19 points per game. It's a different world this year um, for a lot of reasons. And I, and I think you've seen it. And we, I mentioned this earlier in the week in passing. Um, you can say what you want about how many, you know, Tyreek Hill's gone. You got all these guys that left, and they've got Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, and Mahomes offensively. And you look at what, you know, I, I think teams get to the point where they just know they've got a guy like Pat Mahomes who's going to elevate Billy Bag of Donuts, you know? Yeah. And Tommy Smegmahoyton over here. <laughs> they're they're going to elevate those guys. It's the same way that it's the same philosophy the Green Bay uh, Packers had with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to get him guys who are okay, but you're going to get a fourth round or fifth rounder and turn him into Devontae Adams because you got this guy throwing it to him. That's kind of where the Chiefs are to me. They know Mahomes is going to elevate and make some plays on some guys. And plus, you got a guy like Andy Reid who's scheming stuff up. Somebody's going to be doing what they do best against somebody who's not doing what they do best, and you're going to have a guy get open. So you got that guy. So I think there's a little bit of that going on in Kansas City. And because of where they were at certain points during their successful years offensively, they spent some draft capital on the defensive side, particularly on the, you know those young rookies in the defensive backfield, and they hit on them. Mm-hmm. They hit on them, and now they're exploiting that strength of their team. That's that's what good coaching staffs do. Yeah, Trent McDuffie, Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, all play cornerback. They all came to the team in the same draft last year. Yeah. One was a first round pick, another was a fourth round pick, and another was a seventh round pick. But they got three corners who are on their active roster, and all of them play. And I think maybe the interesting thing to me, and not that this is terribly surprising, 
But we heard Dan Orlovsky, who we spoke to yesterday in his weekly appearance here on One Bills Live, and he was talking about how the Chiefs are going to come after you. They're going to load the box in the run front. They will run blitz, and they'll also blitz in the passing game. Right now, after 12 games played, the Chiefs' defense has the fourth-highest blitz rate in the league, 39%. That is a high figure. Um, I'm trying to remember the team. Oh, it was the Bucs. The Bucs blitzed the Bills, came into the game with a blitz rate of 40%, even higher than that, and the Bills were able to handle that and still put points on the board, particularly early in that game. You would hope they can do the same thing against the Chiefs here, knowing their blitz percentages are pretty comparable. The only thing is, I'm not convinced they're going to play the Bills the same way. Right. Because it's Josh Allen, a quarterback, because they play 39% blitz rate. Listen to this. Single high safety, 69% of their defensive snaps. Single high. And man coverage, 36% of the time. That's eighth in the league, and they play single high safety, the second most Second highest percentage in the league. I can't see them doing that against Josh and the Bills, right? Not. Like not at that. Not maybe some, but if not that go, much. If they go single high safety and go man on the outside and maybe try and help Diggs wherever Diggs lines up, given a, you know roll, roll covered, coverage roll, towards yeah. him or or just roll an extra defender there. It seems to me that they're also going to want to hem Josh in the pocket. They're going to want to keep him where he's at. They don't want Josh breaking contain. And if they go zero, if they go man coverage with a single high, that means they got a guy free. So they, the quarterback is the free guy on offense. Offense, the safety is the free guy on yeah, defense. Everybody have. else is matched up. There's there's a n- same number of guys on both sides. Now, if you only rush four, there's an extra offensive lineman out there. Okay, so now you've got an extra defender. What do you do with that extra defender? Are you going to put him on a receiver and double up on a guy like Diggs? Or are you going to spy the quarterback who might break contain and run up behind the receivers? Everybody else has got to be in man. You can't guard. That's you why, can't play zone in that, in that math equation. That's why I'm thinking after Josh ran for 81 yards in the last game against the Eagles, I can't see Spagnuolo taking that approach. Right. At least not at the percentages we've seen, we've seen we've here. We've seen Josh. do, Because, listen, Josh is a vet. He knows. He'll know before the ball is snapped. If you're going to play that, if I'm seeing this and you're going to play that, I'm thinking about right before I get the snap, I'm thinking about pulling this down and running. Yeah. Especially if everybody's turning their back. Yeah. And you got the, he's just, he'll just make a call, make sure all the receivers take an outside release and the corners that are guarding them will turn their back to Josh. And I'm, and he's putting footprints up their butt. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's running right up their back and they don't even know. So, it's a problem. Yeah. But Spagnolo has got some guy like Chris Jones is no that guy is elite. Yeah. You got to have a plan for that. So, you know, they got, you know, it's going to be interesting because and they won't do they can't do the same thing every snap. Right. They got to change it up. And Spagnolo is good at doing that. Very good. But I was impressed with the game plan that LaFleur put together against Spagnolo and the Chiefs defense cuz he seemed to be one step ahead of them throughout most of that game and it results in a nine point victory when all is or an eight point victory when all is said and done. Right. Gotta take a break here. Steve and I to close things up when we return on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. As 
as you know, Bills fans, it is Chiefs week. As the team heads back to Arrowhead, we're giving away a signed Deion Dawkins football. Enter today at buffalobills.com slash giveaway. It's presented by Ticketmaster. Also wanted to bring you up to speed on what we'll have on the docket for you tomorrow, Thursday edition of One Bills Live at 1 p.m. We will have our weekly appearance from ESPN NFL insider and fantasy football guru, One Field Yates, with his ultimate fantasy lineup for Week 14. We'll see if any Bills are a part of his lineup this coming week. And then we will also have in studio with us Bills cornerback Rasul Douglas. We'll finally catch up with him after his arrival here in Buffalo following the trade deadline deal with the Packers that brought him here, has four takeaways in three games played for Buffalo. So off to an awfully good start, and uh, we'll see what he thinks of the upcoming matchup against the Chiefs as well. Be good to catch up with him for the first time since he's joined the Bills. So that'll be a good conversation that we will have after practice is over tomorrow. Steve, is there anything that sticks out to you going into this game? Is it injuries? Is it how the Chiefs are different than what they used to be? What is what is the overriding thing that has you thinking this game could play out differently than maybe some of the ones we've seen in the past? I think this is going to be a sub-20 game. For oh, low scoring. Yeah. For both teams. I think it's going okay. to be very I think it's going to be very few possessions. Tight and tight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard. They're going to be hard to get up on. In a span of 15 seconds, you've made me concerned. I think up front, we're better on both sides. Mm. Then I think that'll carry the day. Yeah, the tackle position uh, on the offensive line for the Chiefs, a little nicked up right now, especially with Donovan Smith injured. We'll have more updates tomorrow. We'll see you at 1.00.